Good morning, familia. Good morning. Very good to see you guys. <clears throat> I need you to be in prayer right now. Um, there's a couple of us that we're like, Ugh. if we could have taken today off, we would have taken it off. But we're here by God's grace, but we need his grace even more. Amen? So if you see me here, got like a little bit of an echo, um, be praying for me. Because uh, if I run off the stage, you know why, okay? <clears throat> but I'm going to like, Lord, you got complete control of this. But I have a prayer request for you. Number one, guess what? This is my last Sunday here, preaching. Yay! All right, no. For the series, it's done because Pastor Dell will be back. Amen? Yeah. yeah. So here's what I need you guys to do. Next week when he's here... Okay, let's express our love. We miss him. He's our pastor, okay? He will be back here to preach the word of God to us, renewed, refreshed, and ready to go. Amen? So that's what we need. So please welcome him with hugs and smiles, and especially when he stands here to read the word of God and to teach us the word of God. So that's my number one thing that I need from you, okay? And two, uh, again, I just want to say thank you to everyone. But let me pray <clears throat> as we... Get into God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you once again. It is true, Lord, that we need you now more than ever. And Lord, I thank you for the refreshing of your spirit. And God, I ask that you would please um, thank you for the worship with Luke and Alan, Lord. Thank you for our children's team and the ushers and the greeters and everybody here. Our communications team back there, making sure that everything sounds right and goes well. And Lord, for our church who is online visiting with us today, God, I pray you bless them. For Joe, who um, was here yesterday, but on the way home, got into a car accident. So the car is damaged yet, but they are of good spirit, Lord. So I pray, God, you take care of them and give them what they need so that Joe and Delilah could be back with us. Lord, for Donald, who's been now with us almost a year, but... He's grieving this morning because he had to say goodbye to one of his beloved, his little dog. And he's heartbroken about that. And he called, he said, hey, I'm going to have to say goodbye to somebody I love real deep, deep. We, we, we understand what that means, Lord. So for your church, God, both here in your presence and online in your presence, God, may you bless them. May you walk with them. And God, may we walk with them, and may this word from this morning be an encouragement to them, and let them see how much you love them, and how much you want to use them to glorify your name upon this earth. And everyone said, amen. 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 So we are finishing today the end of the, um, Paul's second missionary journey. If you can remember, a couple of weeks ago, we started in Acts 16. Timothy joins Paul and Silas, right? And they go on preaching. They're in Derb and Macedonia. And God is calling different people. We know this woman of God named Lydia, right? We know how Paul and Silas got thrown into prison. And then even the Philippian jailer comes to know Christ. And we're marveling at what God is doing and how he's doing it. Then he travels from there to a place called Thessalonica. This is where we get the book of First and Second Thessalonians, right? 
And right there, Paul is sharing the good news, right? Because he goes into the synagogue as he always does. But the Thessalonians are, eh, they're different. They're a little bit stubborn. God is saying, don't worry, I got you. And God moves Paul from Thessalonica to Berea. And here the Bereans are a little bit more animated, like, yes, teach us. God says they're more honorable because they're not like you guys. No, they want to learn. Okay? And then out of there, God moves Paul to Athens. Remember, this big capital place. And there he gets to a place called Mars Hill, and he's preaching the gospel. And now it's different because now he has to go up against the Stoics and the Epicureans, and he's showing how you could present the gospel where Jesus could stand amongst and different than other gods. And now he's leaving Athens, and he's going to a town or a city we call Corinth. Okay? This is where we're at, Acts 18. So open up your Bibles with me, Acts 18. We're going to be in verses 1 through 22. This is the end of Paul's second missionary journey. Let's see what God is doing here. Put this here. All right. I don't know about you. Have you ever hated to do things by yourself? Raise your hands, please. Right? I hate doing things by myself. I do. I don't, I, I don't like it. It's just not only boring, I'm like, ugh. Right? Like even this afternoon, I get to go home today after this and get a snake and go through the, you know what I'm talking about, right? The plumbing powder, yeah. That's going to be a great job, right? Right? You know? Anybody want to help me? Everybody's like, no. Yeah? Well, praise God, I got somebody coming to help me too, all right? Isn't it, isn't it terrible? Tell me if you agree with me. When you're going through a hard time sometimes and you wish somebody would be there with you, right? You want somebody, right? When you go through a hard time, whether you're sick or you don't know how to do the plumbing, like, how do you do this? You know, you need somebody. We, as the body of Christ, we need each other. There's no such thing as long ranger Christianity. When you become part of the family, you're part of the family now. We need one another because iron sharpens iron. You need my gift like I need yours, okay? I need to love you and you guys have to tolerate me, okay? But hopefully we love one another, right? Because that's what we've been taught. Last eight months, we've been working on the one another commands, love one another, care for one another, right? We now have them as the house rules. You see them up around the place. We're asking you, hey, this is how we're doing church together. Because here at this church, this is what we're going to do. But we can't do that alone. You were never meant to be alone. Just as when God created Adam, he says, hey, don't worry about it. I got somebody coming for you, you know? He's like, God, why do the animals have pairs, but I have nobody? He goes, don't worry 
she's coming, she's coming. When we become part of the body of Christ, you're part of a familia. You're part of a family. We need one another. You are not, and you cannot do this alone. This is why we're here. God is saying to Paul, hey, Paul, great job. You're sharing the gospel. You're moving from town to town. People are growing, but guess what? You can't do this alone either. You can't do this alone. God strengthened his church through the partnership of other people, okay, through the promise of his presence, and by giving Paul even more people to share the good news of Christ with. And they started coming to know Christ, and guess what? They became part of the familia too. That is what God is doing. That's how God makes us stronger, okay, by giving you others and giving himself. We are not meant to be alone. Amen? Amen? Help me preach this morning, okay? I want to finish well, all right? So I get to have a good handoff to Pastor Dell next week. We are not meant to be by ourselves. I need you. You need me. Amen? Amen. So let's go. First principle I want to share with you from Acts 18, okay? Number one, God strengthened Paul and the church through partnership. Paul was building a team, verses 1 through 5. He says this, and after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila. He was a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Boo for Claudius, okay? He went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. We've been seeing this, right? This is Paul's MO. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. Corinth, verse 1, right? If you know about Corinth, Corinth was the Las Vegas of its day. Okay? It was Sin City. All right? Corinth was like, ooh, it was a trade commerce, so there was people going backwards and forwards. I mean, huge metropolitan, right? Compared to Athens and the other towns we're in, this is a big metropolitan people uh, area. It was the home of a goddess named Aphrodite. And guess what? We have young people here? Okay, I'm going to say this real nice. Young people, if you don't understand what I'm about to say, ask your mom and dad, okay? <laughs> Not me. But there was a thousand temple, mm-mm-mm, okay? All right? For the goddess Aphrodite. If you don't understand what that means, ask your mom and dad to ask you that, okay? But this was the kind of town it was, right? And you would walk through because all these people from commerce were coming back and forth, and these men on these ships would be taken care of by these temple, okay? That's what they were doing. This was Corinth, right? Again, the saying was, if they saw you drunk or anything else, they go, oh, this guy's acting like a Corinthian, you know? It was not a good thing, okay? To be, hey, man, you're like a Corinthian. That was not a compliment. This is the type of town it was, okay? And Paul is there now. This was a city, again, at the crossroads of commerce, backwards and forwards it was coming. And there he meets 
Aquila and Priscilla. He found them, he says, right? Because they were fellow tent makers. How many of you guys ever heard this term, tent maker, right? Tent maker was really in this text, it is translated, but literally they were leather workers, okay? You ever seen somebody make a nice leather bag? This was Paul's trade, right? Because most of the tents were made of animal flesh and other things, right? So tent making was a huge thing. And in the synagogue, you would not only see men and women differently, but you would often sit in the, in the synagogue with people that were in the same craft like you. So we had the tent makers over here. We had the carpenters over here. You ever remember a guy that was a carpenter by trade who was a rabbi? Mm-hmm, right? We had these guys over here, right? And they would sit together and talk. And Paul knew this, hey, I, I, I know these people. I can sit with them and go with them. Tent makers, okay? They actually worked with leather. Again, and like I told you, this was the same trade together in the synagogue. This is what a father would do. A father would always teach his son the trade. If your dad was a carpenter, you became a carpenter. If your father was a tent maker, you're going to become a tent maker. And especially, again, if your son becomes a rabbi and he's preaching from town to town, he doesn't now have to depend on anybody else. Why? Because he has a skill that, could take care, that he could take care of himself. We know a certain guy named Jesus who was a carpenter. And by the way, a rabbi also, right? This is what's happening. So Paul's working as a tent maker so he could do his real job, which is preach the gospel. That was his real job, but I'm going to do this on the side. Why? Because it's going to give me a, a door in. You, we do this still till today. Today, if we got missionaries going across the world, they often take what's called a tent maker's job. That means they'll go teach English in China as a second language, right? Why? Not so that the Chinese can learn English, so that the Chinese can learn who Christ is. Because that teacher is there not only to teach English, but really to share the good news of Christ. I was blessed that in my uh, first position in Youth for Christ over 20 years ago, I became a school teacher. Yep. Why? Because as a school teacher, I could walk onto any campus, right? Because I had the Chicago Public Schools ID. I could walk in and I was a substitute. And I would substitute, I was a substitute teacher in every school that I was called to go and share the gospel with. I had four high schools, about, about 8,000 kids. And every day, every one day of the week, I'd be in a different high school. But I was Mr. Valentine. I was not Youth for Christ um, area director. That was my tent making job. But I would sit and have lunch with the kids and got to share the gospel with thousands of kids. Why? Because this is what you do. Okay, this is what they're doing. It's a way of working a secular job so you could do the real job, the sacred job in many a sense. We have Aquila and Priscilla. They join the team now, right? And they would become trusted partners of Paul as much as Timothy and Luke. Look at what Romans 16, look at Romans 16 says this, verse 3 and 4. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. He goes, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. This is Paul telling them, hey, when you see Priscilla and Aquila, say hello to me because, you know, those, those are my partners. Those are my co-laborers. I love those guys. You know why? Because they even were willing to die for me. Verse 4 says, they risked their necks for my life. 
They were valued partners. Could you imagine? I mean, you got to be so good, I think, that Paul writes your name in one of his letters. Like, hey, here's this guy, and Timothy, and Silas. So God is building a partnership, a team of people to do the work of Christ. You saw it on the video, right? That wasn't one person yesterday, okay? Just let me give, let me shout out, a shout out. We had Chip and Cindy yesterday. Have you ever seen Chip? Where's Chip? I don't know. He's right there. There he is, right there. That guy right there is a beast. That guy swang an axe, and he was just like crazy. All the guys were like, oh, we love Chip, you know? There was a lot of man crushing on Chip yesterday, yeah, because, man, the guy's a stud, right? So you get Cindy and Chip yesterday. Cindy was smart. Cindy was just telling all the guys, do this, do this, you know? And all the men were like, yes, ma'am, you know? And we did it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Amen, right? Look, at we had Karen and Allen yesterday. Karen and Allen, yeah, great sister, yes, yes. Aaron, Karen's right here, Alan's over here, everybody's working. This is what, we got our couples doing great work together. We had Tom and Joe. Yes, yes, yeah. And then, hey, would you believe it? We even had a new couple, right, join us yesterday. Everybody's like, hey, what? We had Mr. Lee and his wife, Gail, came in, right? Right there. And they jumped in, and hey, we got tools, and they brought the tools, and we were, mm, well, not us. We were just watching. It was really chip. He was cutting everything up, you know, with that chainsaw, and we were like, yes. But we did good work. Why? Because we were together. We were doing a partnership. This is what the church is. It is what we do. We do it together. This is what God is calling you. We're not asking you to please come here on Sunday sit here, throw some money in a pot, and then leave. No. We're saying come, be a part of us, join hands with us, lock your arms together with us, because we believe that our best days are coming. Amen? Amen. I mean, we're working towards a vision that's going to take us into the future. But we can't do that alone. We cannot do it alone. We, we need you. You guys haven't seen this, but you will. You can't see it from over there. I wish we had. I would have, if I was smart, I would have told her. I would have told her to put it up on the screen. But here's our church. Well, here's our church. And here are 10 ministries, 10, that we're building. So think about it like this. How many systems do you have in your body? Anybody know how many systems? Where's my medical people? Okay. What the answer is? It's, I always say a lot. All right? You know? You got the endocrine system, which is your skin. You got the skeletal system. You got the circulatory system. You got the digestive system. You got a bunch of systems in your body that work together so that the body's healthy, right? And if one of those systems was not working, what is your diagnosis? Yeah, you're either sick, right? You're really sick. You're on life support or you're dead. Okay? And yet we have churches with missing systems. We have churches that are, eh, we're not trying to be, eh, we want to be healthy, amen? So we're building and we're knowing how all of these work. Look, we got the worship system. You got assimilation, okay? That's the high five team with Holly. And everybody that greets you and says hello to you, that's the assimilation team. 
Okay? You got the evangelism team that we're building right now. We got our small group system, which is sitting right there back. Marty, join, right? Because we're going to do life together. We have our ministry support system. How many people love to network and hook people up and make sure they're connected? We're building that system. We have a leadership development system. Hey, if you like to build leaders and help people grow so they can move into that, we're going to have a whole system for that. We have our stewardship system. Those are the people that pay all the bills here and make sure we have air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter. Amen? Amen. That's them. We have a strategic planning system making sure that we're doing the right thing for the right reasons at the right time. Okay? We have a communication system. That's Amanda back there. You don't see her, but she's back there. And that whole team of people, they're making sure that our church that's online right now, that they could see and hear me. They're making sure that our web page is up and our Snapchat and our Twitter and all those other things are working. Why? Because people need to know what's going on here. And then we have our family system, which is our youth and our children. I call it from, from cradle to college. Okay, if you're in that age group, you're in the family system, right? We're building all of these systems and we're networking them together and aligning them together so they can accomplish one thing. And that is the mission of this church. That is what we're doing. But I can't do that alone. We can't do that alone. We need everybody here to join, to lock hands in it, because God is trying to build a church where everybody here is a significant partner. I like to say nobody sits, everybody plays. Okay? We don't want you just to sit here, oh, I got a jersey, I'm on the team, but I'm on the bench. Nope. You got to play. You got to take one for the team. You got to do your job, okay? And if you do your job, then somebody else could do their job. And then we lick together. And this is what we're doing. And this is what God is doing and did with Paul. He gave them Sil uh, Silas and Timothy. But now he brings Priscilla and Aquila. And he's bringing more people because everybody has to do something, okay? Everyone here at Long Grove, again, is a significant partner. You're going to hear me say that a lot. Everyone here is a significant partner. You have gifts and talents that go beyond what I do, but together we're going to make a great church. Amen? Amen. That's what we're going to do. So get ready because God needs you, okay? If you haven't taken your spiritual gifts test, this is what I'm telling you. Join the life group. We're going to get you ready. We're going to prepare you so that God can use you. And when God is using you, hold on. It's going to be great. Okay, second principle, number two. God strengthens Paul with the promise of his presence, verse 10. Let me go through it. We're reading 6 through 10. And then when he opposed them, right? and when they opposed him and reviled him, he shook out his garments and he said to them, your blood be on your heads. I am innocent. From now on, I'm going to go to the Gentiles he left there and he went to the house of a man named Titus Justice, a worshiper of God, right? Calling him a worshiper of God, meaning he was Greek. He was not Jew, but he was a believer in Yahweh, right? His house was next door to the synagogue. Ain't that nice? Okay? And Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. Sound familiar? Right? And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, 
For I have many in the city who are my people. And they stayed there a year and six months, a year and a half teaching the word of God. That's a long time compared to what Paul was doing. Now, this is different. Paul speaks to us from them. Verse 6, he says, this was the custom. When a Jew would be walking through what we would call a Gentile community, right? Remember, right, when, when Christ says, hey, I want you to go throughout the whole earth, right, in Judea, and there was this one place that nobody wanted to go to. It was called what? Samaria, Samaria right? Right? Today we would call that the hood, okay? I don't want to go there. There's bad people there. There's people that look like a different color than me or whatever, right? He goes, no, you got to go there too. But the Jewish custom, when they would go through a place like that, and now they were entering, you know, their suburb, and it was nice, they would literally, like, take off their shoes and clap their hands and shake off the dust because they don't want to bring any of that into this. And here is Paul. He's like, okay, cool. You don't want to hear me? You don't want to pay attention? I shake the dust off you. And those Jews knew what that meant. They were like, oh, you're like chastising us. He goes, yeah. You don't want to hear the gospel? Cool. Shake my hands from you. Now I'm going to go to them. And I'm going to share the good news with them. He left. Not in, um, they would do that so they wouldn't contaminate their things. They would shake the dust off that. But look what he does. This is so funny. I, for me, Paul is, Paul is, he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, he loves what he's doing, man, but he will not back down. He goes, oh, oh, Long Grove. You don't want to pay attention, Long Grove? Long Grove Church, you don't want to listen? Cool. I'm going to start a new church at the Montessori School right next door. <laughs> I mean, that's bold. That's bold. Verse 7 and 8, next door, he went to Titus' house. This is a crazy move. Imagine, again, you get kicked out of church, and you open up a new church next door. Okay? And now people are hearing the gospel still, but instead of coming here, they're going next door. I mean, that's bold. And here, this is what Paul is doing, okay? Even so much that the synagogue leader, the guy who ran the, the synagogue, becomes a believer, his whole family, and a bunch of other Corinthians, and now they're next door. Now think about this, verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid. Go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you to harm you. If you remember what Paul was going through, he'd go into a town, people are beating him up, throwing bricks at him. One time they had to get him out at night because they might have killed him. And Paul, I think, is going to like, man, God, I kind of want to keep serving, man, but... I'm tired, man, and these people, those bricks hurt. Those rocks hurt. People are mean and nasty. And God's like, I got you. You're not alone. My presence is with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you all the way to the ends of the earth. Paul never heard that, but here he gets a, a reaffirmation of that promise. I'm going to be with you. 
Do not be afraid. Keep preaching. Do not be silent, for I am with you. Amen? That is what you got to keep doing. Keep going. Keep going. Why? Third principle. Third principle. God strengthens Paul through the gift of more people. Verse 10 and 11. For I am with you. No one will attack you or harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Now, hey, I would have liked to know that. So I'm not alone. It's just not our little team. There's a lot of us here. Yeah, there's a lot of us here. And he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of God to them. Many in the city who are my people. Now, I don't understand how these people are there. I have, there's two kind of views. Remember, if we go back to Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching. Remember that? Peter preaches and 3,000 people get saved, right? And we know that those 3,000s were all proselytes, meaning they were believers from other places who believed in the God of Israel and came to hear the gospel, and they get to hear the gospel in their own language, and they go back to it. I think, for me, in my opinion, some of those people came from Corinth, heard the gospel under Peter, went back to Corinth and shared the gospel. That's one idea. I think it's a pretty good idea. Second is that God is telling Paul, hey, don't worry, keep preaching. Don't be silent because I already have a lot of people that I'm working on and they're going to hear you and they're going to be my people too. So keep doing your job. Okay? Those are the two likely premises or ideas of what's going on. But here's one of my favorite verses. It's called in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. See if you agree with me or like this one, okay? Ready, church? Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. This is Corinth. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's not an exhaustive list, but it's pretty good, right? Anybody could see themselves in that list? Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. It's okay. All right? But look at this. Here's my favorite part of the verse. Ready? Verse 11. And such were some of you. Amen? Amen? I, one day we're going to have a Sunday here. I call, we call it Cardboard Sunday. This one church did it. It was fantastic. They called it Cardboard Sunday. And they gave everybody a piece of cardboard. And on the cardboard, you had to write your old self. Meaning, hey, I used to be, fill in the blank, a liar, a drug addict, a gangbanger. I don't care what it was. And then they would flip the chart. He goes, but now I am. This. Amen? Amen. And like, yeah. And like, and this is what this verse is. Hey, you used to be liars and swindlers and cheaters and prostitutes and homosexuals, but that was the old you. That was the old you. Now the new you, verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed by what? The blood of Christ. You were sanctified, meaning you were set apart. You were made holy. You used to be like that, 
now you're like this. Yes. I mean, that's an amen moment right there. It is. Because I, that's me. Church, that's me. I'm verse 11. Me. Ask my wife how bad I used to be. Right? Me and my wife, right? We're broken, right? We're broken. But praise God. We serve a loving God who says, hey, I don't leave you the way you were. I, when I find you and I make you mine, I, I take care of the broken spots. I heal the wounds. I lift you up. You become something completely different now. And such were some of you. You were sanctified. You were washed. You were justified. In sanctification, in salvation, there's three parts. There's the justification part, the sanctification part, and the glorification part. But God is the one who does all of it. In the justification part, when you first come to Christ, it is the Holy Spirit, God, that does 100% of the salvation, okay? It literally means to, to, to be declared not guilty. Amen? I mean, if you've ever been in a jail and stood in front of a judge, you know how scary that is, right? See? I had that moment. Ooh! You know? Praise God. Not guilty. Thank you, God. Okay? Not guilty. You are justified. One second after that, you step into sanctification. And you're walking with God. Now the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit are working together. God is saying, okay, Santiago, I want you to do this. If you used to do this, now you're no longer doing that. I don't care what you used to do. But it's you and the Holy Spirit working together to be sanctified. Meaning you are becoming the image of God on a daily basis. You are more Christian today than you were yesterday. Amen? You are better. And then tomorrow I'm going to even be better than today, right? Because we were learning even this morning, right? How long does it take to make a disciple? It takes a lifetime. Every day you are getting better and better. And then one day, here's the good news, guys. One day when we see him face to face, we're done. Yes. Ta-da. Beautiful. I think I'm going to be taller, hopefully. All right? Yeah, no. But you know what? I'm not going to be diabetic anymore, okay? I'm not going to suffer from pain and all this stuff, right? Whatever you struggle with, suffer with, whatever plagues you, whatever you're still tempted by, done. You're done. Why? Because now you see him face to face. You're glorified him. God, Paul, God said it. He goes, remember that promise I made you that I'm going to bring you all the way home? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 1. Ta-da, glorification. Now we look just like him, right? We're the image bearers of Christ because we are the children of Christ. We are the sons and daughters of God. We are the familia. Amen? Now we're glorified. And this is what Paul is saying. He goes, you used to be eh, but you got justified. You got sanctified. You got washed. Oh, people, there are hundreds. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, church. The vision team will tell you this. We did a, we're doing a study now within a 20-minute radius of this church. You know how many people we have within 20 minutes of this church? Anybody want to guess? 
600,000 people. Yes. I'm telling you again. Yes. About 600,000 people are waiting. Okay? It's no longer inside. It's, a, it's not a secret. We're, we're going after the 600,000. Okay? And if the Lord just gives us 1%, what's 1% of 600,000? 60,000? Is it 60? 6,000. 6,000. Okay, 6,000. Woo! That's a lot of building. Pastor Dell's going to be preaching a lot. I mean, that might, that'll start on Sunday and go into Monday. Because we could only fit about 150 in here. Right? But are you praying? Will you pray for us for 1%? Is that, is that a big, is that big for God, 1%? That's nothing. That's nothing. God's like, you, you, come on, dream bigger. Ask for more. Because I love the whole world. I want all 600,000 to come know me and to worship me. Why? Because I had many more people. We don't know them yet. But I believe that God is getting them ready for us. And when we get ready... Because everybody's doing their role because they're a partner now in Long Grove Church, okay? And they are walking in the promise and in the presence of God on a daily basis. And we're not walking in fear, but we're walking in hope, right? And in faith. There's going to be so much more that God has for us. But you have to get ready. Paul said, hey, get ready. Here comes Priscilla and Aquila. This is what we're doing. Okay, five more minutes. Look at what. Verse 11 or 12 right here. But it says, but Galileo, right? Very good. But when Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul. Sound familiar? Right? Like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, and I, and honestly, I think, and we were talking about this, there's a couple of us who do not feel well, and yet we're here. And I asked, and I told him, I said, could it be that what we're going through right now, we're, we're experiencing this morning, is not natural, but supernatural? Do you think Satan is happy that this church is doing what it's supposed to be doing and wants to do it? Don't you think that we're going to get attacked? Yes, we will. We will. And here it comes again. They formed a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. What do you mean contrary to the law? Not to the civil law, but towards the Jewish law. Hey, they're asking him to make this thing called the church, and now they invited the Gentiles. Right? Praise God, right? Yes, because now we have Italian and Irish and Mexican and everything else is coming in, okay? Because that was the dream and the vision of God, to worship them. But verse 14, but when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about the words and names of your own law, See it, to your, see it to yourself. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And then they all see Sothenes, Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal 
but Galileo, but Galileo paid no attention to this. Today, we, we know this because in America, we call this the First Amendment. I got to right to worship however I want in this country, amen? I could worship or not worship, and that's my right. Galileo says, hey, man, this is not a big crime. This is something that you guys are debating amongst yourself. It's a theological issue. Go away from me. I don't even want to deal with this. And it was cool. Was like, yes, one for us. But the minute he does that, the guys are like, oh, we don't like this, so we're going to beat you up. And he does. Verse 18. Let's finish these four, like, fast last couple of verses. After this, Paul stayed many days longer. And then he took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. There they are again. There's Priscilla and Aquila. With who? With Paul. Why? Because Paul needs partners. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say it again. We cannot do church without you. We need you. Okay? We want you. And then he does this. At Kentry, he had his hair cut. Okay? He got his hair cut. He had a haircut. He basically shaved everything off. Now he was under a vow. Verse 19. And they came to Ephesus, and they left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue, and he reasoned with the Jews. Now it's funny, because beginning in, remember, chapter 16? God wants, Paul wants to go into Macedonia. He wants to go into Ephesus. And, Paul, and God says, no, 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 not now, not now. And he sends them somewhere else. Now, God opens the door and allows him to go to Ephesus. But guess what he does? He leaves Priscilla and Aquila there, and he keeps going. How was he able to do that? Why? Because he had partners now. He had people that could prepare other people and share the good news of Christ. He goes, you guys are ready. I'm going to let you. I'm, you guys stay here. I'm going to go over there. And again, look at what he does. When he asked him, okay, Verse 19, they stood there and they came to Ephesus. He left there, for he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Didn't he, didn't he say, I'm done with you? But yet, here he goes. Why? Because that was his heart. And I think, the, for me, the vow that he makes is, I think, is what's called the Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow is like, hey, guys, I'm not going to drink any wine not going to eat anything raisins or raisinets, okay? I'm not going to do any of that. Why? Because I'm making a vow unto you, God. And what, what an Nazarite vow was, you would, you know, shave your head, and then all the hair that grew, once the vow was done, you would shave it and then take the hair and put it before God as an offering and burn it. I think he does this because he still loves his fellow countrymen. And he says, God, I know you're not done with me and dumb. So I vow to you, God, as for as long as I'm alive, I'm, I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep doing it. Just give me courage, God. Give me strength. Give me hope. Give me what I need so I can keep sharing the good news of Christ. And he does it. For he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay longer for a period, he declined. But on leaving, about, but on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Verse 22, and when he landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then he went down to Antioch. He's going back to where it all started from. He's done. 
the end of the second missionary is done. He went, he strengthened the church. He got more people to join the team. God's promise and power were made relevant, okay? And more people started coming to know Christ. People that don't look like you and me, don't act like you and me, but praise God, they become like you and me because they come under the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we're doing here. That's what we want to do, church. But we cannot do it alone. We need every person here, in the words of that amazing theologian, Bill Belichick, do your job. Do your job. Okay? Some of you guys are worship people. Some of you guys are children's workers. Some of you guys are ushers and greeters. Some of you guys are teachers. Some of you guys are accountants. Whatever your gift you have, give it away. Say, hey, God, here I am. I want to be your hands and feet. Amen? Amen. Do me a favor. Stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We praise you for your amazing grace. That God, we could say like the Corinthians, we used to be like that. But you washed us. You sanctified us. You set us apart God, and you made us partners with Paul and with your son, Jesus Christ. You gave us the promise of your Holy Spirit to always be with us, Lord. And God, you are giving us people that we haven't even met yet because you called them and you are calling them now. All they need is to hear the good news of Christ so they themselves can believe and be part of the family. So God, as your church stands, Lord, we stand here before you and we say, God, here I am. We want to give it all away, God, so that when we stand before you, we hear one thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. And everyone said? Let's worship.